study tonight is out of 2 Chronicles chapter 27 and 2 Kings chapter 15. Jotham, a king of Judah, the king of Judah. And he comes as, uh, we'll see, as he's a son of Uzziah. He's over Judah in the south. And he's reigning at the same time that Isaiah the prophet and Micah the prophet are, uh, are reigning. And he's towards the very end of the kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdoms. Okay, so picking up from last week, Uzziah rested with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of burial, which belongs to the king, for they said he is a leper. Then Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. So Uzziah made a foolish choice at the end of his life, tries to go into the temple. God uh, rebukes him, the, uh, the Kohen, the Kohen Gadol, and the and was it, 80 other Kohim uh, resist him and, and uh, tell him he's sinning and trespassing against God and he's wrong and they chase him out of the uh, synagogue, he gets angry, or out of the temple, he gets angry and leprosy shows up on his head and he goes running out as well and he had leprosy till, till the day of his death. And Jotham, his son, must have co-reigned with him while he's still king but he was isolated into a separate house and restricted there and uh, Jotham was no doubt running the affairs of, of the kingdom during that time. So a little bit of overlapping. We don't know exactly how many years, but it seems that it was at the end of Uzziah's uh, life that it happened. And then he dies after reigning 52 years. Then picking up at 2 Kings chapter 32, in the second year of Pechem, king of Israel, that was the northern kingdoms, jo Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. And uh, again, not every king has his mother's name mentioned, nor their grandfather uh, mentioned, but here in this case, they're both mentioned. His, his mother and grandfather are mentioned, and so that's uh, you know, quite a nice, honorable uh, mention of the Bible writers to include them in that. Uh, there were some Zodiacs that were, were Kohim. Uh, it doesn't mention him as a Kohim, so we don't know, you know, wouldn't be 100% sure whether he was one of the Kohim or not. Jotham did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Uzziah had done, although he did not enter into the temple of the Lord, but still the people acted corruptly. And so for 25 years he reigns, on top of his father's 52 years of reign, so we've got 77 years plus uh, Uzziah's father reigned well as, as well. So we have close to 100 years of solid kings reigning, and the Bible saying they did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And so, you know, people that say, oh, you know, we look at uh, Judah, or we look at the Israel people, we look at uh, the Jewish people down through the ages, they were always failing God and falling, and here we've got close to 100 years in a row of of good reigning kings. Uh, now, although the people still acted corruptly, and people will be people, and you know, uh, even uh, Adam and Eve had, I mean, God had problem with his first two children, right? You know, so, uh, so there were problems along the way. Uh, Jacob had problems with, with his 12, and, and uh, Yeshua had problems with his 12, right? So, uh, you know, that's, that's understandable. It's not acceptable to God, no doubt. You know, I mean, God uh, brought leprosy upon King Uzziah for one rebellious mistake. 
uh, and so not excusing the corruption, but uh, at least they had a good reigning king. The temple services were going well. We saw that the Kohanim were faithful to God and defending God's name and, and God's law, even to the king. And so, you know, very good time period. Uh, and God blessed and God prospered. We saw in the Uzziah uh, great prosperity taking place. And so here, Jotham uh, continues it. He mentions, you know, although he did not enter into the temple of the Lord, uh, he did not be learned from his father's mistake. Uh, he, he realized he needed to stay low and be humble, that while he was king, he was still just king. And uh, you know, kings have their limits as well. And we all have our limits. God has our, his calling for each one of us and uh, the field for each one of us to labor. And Jotham uh, learned that lesson. He reigned well. He followed his father's good example. He did not copy his father's wrong example. And, uh, and that's a good lesson for us right there too, right? We can learn from, from our parents and those around us uh, and mimic and copy the, the good that we see and emulate that and learn from their mistakes so we don't have to make the same mistakes. And so he doesn't make that mistake. And, and actually in, in his 25 years of reign, there's nothing mentioned that he did anything wrong, um, which is good. Again, his father made a mistake, his grandfather also made a mistake towards the end of his reign, but uh, he learned. And he built the upper gate of the house of the Lord and extensively built on the wall of Ophel. And he built cities in the mountains of Judah and in the forests, he built fortresses and towers. Now this wall of Ophel, uh, there's a lot of archeological research going on in that area right now. Uh, it's the area, um, for those that have been to, to Israel and Jerusalem, uh, you have the old city walls, which uh, aren't as old as this. Uh, and they, um, they are, oh, I forget exactly how, how long. I think they go back to, um, well, I'm not going to guess. But they go back over 1,000 years, but not back 2,000 years. Right? And so they are the old city walls. And outside the old city walls of Jerusalem today, is an area uh, that's a peninsula that sticks out, and that is the original city of David. And so the original city of David, again, is outside what is currently the old city walls of Jerusalem. And the section between that peninsula that sticks out, it's got very steep uh, valleys on each side, uh, and then on the, on, the, on, the, on the northern side of it is, a, uh, is the mountain, which is the Temple Mount. And so that's really the only exposed area that's easy, hard to defend because again the other sides have these steep um, um, valleys on either side and so you can see the enemy coming from a distance it's hard for them to come up the valleys very steep and not only do they have to come up that they then have you have your walls there and they have to then also scale your walls so the one defense hard to defend little spot was in the northern section of that little peninsula that sticks out and, uh, and that is where he built extensively on those walls. Solomon built walls and they excavated that. And, uh, and today, uh, that's where the southern steps of the, the temple of, uh, of Solomon's and Yeshua's day um, exist, right outside that area there. And uh, there's a bunch of mikvahs there where the uh, people would be immersed uh, before going into the temple. Um, and so that's the area that you're referring to. And so he built extensively there. Very important uh, spot to have, especially at that time period. He built in the cities and the mountains of Judah. So he built in Jerusalem. He also built outside. 
Jerusalem, throughout the nation, uh, in the mountains, in the forest. He built fortresses and towers. And we read that his father did that as well. So he's extending and continuing the work that his father had done in defending the nation. He also fought with the king of the Amorites and defeated them. And the people of Ammon gave him in that year 100 talents of silver, 10,000 cores of wheat, 10,000 of barley. And the people of Ammon paid this to him in the second and third years also. And so he's prospering and he's defending and he's gaining territory and defeating enemies and even the enemies then submitting and paying tribute. So God's prospering uh, his kingdom as he's reigning righteously and doing what was right in the sight of the Lord. Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. And that's really the key. I think there's only like one more or two more verses about him. So not a whole lot. Like seven, eight verses about this king who reigns for 25 years. I mean, that's a long period of time. 25 years. Could you imagine if we had a president for 25 years? <laughs> I mean, even if he did that was right in the sight of the Lord, right? Uh, that'd be a long time for our, you know, the way we live things now. I mean, there are still nations that have kings and things for that long, dictators for that long. But he reigns 25 years, and he gets something like seven or eight verses out of this chapter, and even less out of Second Kings. This is still out of Second Chronicles 27. Why is that? Why, if he, if he did what was right in the sight of the Lord for 25 years, does he only get a few verses? Because he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. <laughs> and we see that throughout the scriptures, the good kings and the good times get very little press. The same today. You open up any newspaper or web uh, uh, news uh, page and, and, and you'll see that the, the majority of the news is the bad news that's going on around. And well, it makes it look like there's bad stuff happening all the time, and there is bad stuff happening all the time, but the bad stuff is not happening all the time. It's not happening everywhere, every day, in every home. Right? The majority of people, I think, in this country are law-abiding and having a normal life and are not making the news every single day as far as bad stuff, and hopefully maybe even their whole lives. I'm sure that we know lots of people who never made the news, right? Because they never did anything wrong, right? And so it's the, the minority, it might be 49%, but I think it's still the minority uh, in this country that are making the bad news pages of the paper. Um, and so, but they get all the press. They get all the news. And if you happen to be uh, popular and have some fame, whether being a ball player or a runner or something, you'll be in the news for a long time. <laughs> Uh, even if what you did was no worse than many other people in the country or world did. Uh, and so you get lots of press. But if they were good kings, even if they reigned a long time, they get very little time. And that's important, again, as we look at the Bible and try and understand the Bible and try and uh, look at history, important how we look at history, because it's in, it affects how we look at ourselves and how we look at the future. And how we look at the Bible people. And so if we just kind of get into the habit of looking while well, all this horrible is written there, uh, then they must have been horrible all the time. 
And then we apply that to our own lives and we focus on the negatives in our lives or the negatives in our children's lives. You know, they get three wrong on the test and, you know, and the teacher circles those in big red, you know, and ignores the, uh, you know, all the ones that they got right. Um, it's easy to focus on the negative and instead of on the positive. And then as we relate to other people, it's easy to think of them only in, in the negative light and not in all the ways they've been good. Right? We could have been friends with them for years and years, and then they blow it and say something stupid to us or about us, you know, and, and then we hate them, you know, um, and, and ignore all the good times that we had. And so, but that is what the Bible does again, like what we do in human nature and what uh, press does today. Uh, we don't see much on the good. That doesn't mean that good didn't take place. And Jonathan did what was right. And here's the key to knowing how he was able to do what was right and how we also can have on our record books that they served the Lord for 25 years or 52 years or all their life doing what was right in the sight of the Lord and prospered and built this up and did this and received this and uh, were used by God in this way for that. Because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. That's the key. We need to prepare our ways before the Lord our God. Each morning it's good to start the day by preparing your mind before the Lord. Preparing your heart, preparing your day before the Lord. Starting the day with prayer. Starting the day with reading the Bible. So you're talking to God and you're hearing from Him. It's a good habit to get in. It's a good system to, to have in place. Start the day preparing the day that you're preparing your life before the Lord. And laying your plans at his feet. Lord, this is what I've got planned today. This is what you want me doing. Guide and direct my steps and what you would have me to do this day. That's a good start. That's a good start for each day and it's a good start as we start our life with the Lord by surrendering our life to him. Lord, I give you my life, I give you my future, I give you my thoughts, I give you my talents, everything. I surrender it to you. I give you my sins, I give you the sinful nature, and we surrender it, and we believe by faith that it's already been taken away, taken by the Messiah, placed inside him, buried away, killed, crucified, and our old nature is dead. And that was done long before we were even born. And but we can believe it now by faith. And then accept a new life. Accept God's spirit into our hearts and minds. And allow him to prepare our ways. Allow him to set our path. His word is a lamp to our feet. And so we allow his word to direct our path. We allow his spirit to, to show us the way. This is the way. Walk ye in it hearing his voice and walking in his path, following the straight and narrow path that he has laid out for us, keeping the eyes focused on heaven and walking in that path. And so we start our lives that way, we start each day that way, surrendering, giving ourselves over to God, accepting his spirit to guide and direct our minds and our hearts. God, keep me from sinning this day. Give me my needs for this day. 
Don't let me fall into temptation. Keep my eyes focused on you. Preparing his way before the Lord. And then no doubt, in preparing his ways before the Lord, he prepared his day and he prepared his plans for the week and maybe the year. No doubt he had a, you know, towers don't just go up overnight. Even today, how much more then? Walls just don't happen. He had to have a plan. He prepared his ways. But he laid those plans before the Lord. God, where do you want us to build? How high do you want us to build? What materials do you want us to build with? Who do you want assisting with that plan? And so he had a plan. He had goals. And it's important for us to have goals. Zig Ziglar uh, quotes a study that 97% of the people in this country do not have goals. Which means 97% will hit that goal every time. <laughs> like Wayne Gretzky, a, a, a very popular uh, hockey player, uh, said that uh, it can be proven that you will miss you will not score 100% of the shots you don't take. <laughs> and that's true too. Right? And so if we don't have any goal, we're just a wandering generality. Right? We're just wandering around, just floating in the breeze. And that is good fodder for Satan to just grab a hold of and say, well, if you've got nothing to do or you don't know where you're going, don't have any plans, I've got something for you to do. And he'll find something for us to do. Right? Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Right? And so it's good to have plans and know what your plans are and know what God has for you, know what God's calling upon you is. Knowing your role, again, whether God called you to be king or whether God called you to be the Kohen or whatever God called you to be, and then stay within that, like we talked about last week. But then be about doing that and setting your plans. And so goal planning is very good. You may have ever written down a list of things that you want to get done. Like let's say it's at work and you know, you're planning on going for a vacation or something like that. And you, you know you've got a lot to get done and you've got to get it done before next week when you're going to be gone for a week and, and they've got to get by without you. And so maybe you make a plan or a packing list before you go somewhere. Right? So you don't want to forget anything. You know, you'll be gone for a while and you make a list. How many have ever made a list like that, right? Okay, most people have made lists, right? Well, how about if we did that every day? Right? Isn't that the most effective time when you do that? You make that list and you're checking those off and, and you feel good every time you check that off. Oh, wow, I got all this done. You feel great about that. And you check those off and you get those things done and then you look at it. Wow, I got everything done. Now I can go and relax on my vacation or, or whatever. You know, I, you know, I packed everything. At least I planned on packing. Uh, and have you thought about that checklist days in advance? You know, and worked it so that way you know, every once in a while, you thought of something else to add to the list, you add, add it to the list. That way, by the time the time comes to be done, pretty sure you had everything on the list that needed to get done, and you got it done. 97% of the people do not do that. People who immigrate to the United States have four times, the, the high, four times higher rate of becoming millionaires than people born in America. Now you wonder why would that be? You know, because 
Many of them who come here, you know, don't come here as infants. They've come here and didn't have the, you know, we got preschool now, a free preschool before even kindergarten, pre-K, you know, and, and, and kindergarten, and five, you know, whatever. And all this education pumped on us. All this opportunity pumped at us in this country. And yet people from coming from other countries have four times higher rate of becoming millionaires. Do you know why that is? Because they're smarter than Americans. It's, you know, this. <laughs> They had a plan. They had a plan to get here, right? It, it wasn't easy to get here to begin with, right? They either had a plan how they're going to get across Mexico or whatever, wherever they came here, you know? Uh, they, they had a plan to make, right? Or they filled out the right paperwork and did it legally, right? Or, or they contacted Andy and Andy got them legally in, you know, and, 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 and did their paperwork for them. And, uh, you know, but they had a plan to do it, right? They didn't just float over here, you know, across the Atlantic or across the Pacific somehow, right? They had a plan how we're going to get there. And so there are people that plan it. And they stick with the plan. And then they stick with that plan, you know, to be able to do, do it. And so they got that ambition to be able to do what they had set out to do. And that's what we see Jonathan. He prepared his way. Again, not much is written about it, but enough that we can see why he was successful. He prepared. And we as believers need to prepare. God has called us to a higher calling than anything else. Now, every profession is good, whatever the profession is, you know, whether uh, waxing or cleaning floors or, or being a lawyer or dry cleaners or whatever the profession is, all professions are important. And all professions can serve. Uh, the fire department, the police department, all can serve either self or others. Right? I mean, most of those positions, or most positions, pay a salary, and that's good. But we can still use whatever position we are in and called to be in with a servant's attitude. Yes, I do it to get a paycheck, but yes, I'm also doing it to help people. And the goal is to help people. And at the same time, provide for the needs of my family and, and what God has called me to do. And that's okay, and that's good. And as believers, we have a higher calling to serve in the roles that God has placed us in when we're on the job and when we're off the job as well. The Bible says to redeem the time for the days are evil. So we need to be about redeeming the time. Making the most of the time that we have. And again, having goals and having plans is a good way to do that. Having a checklist. So you can have a checklist again for the end of this week. Uh, going on vacation, whatever, but it's also good to have goals and a checklist for our lives. You know, whatever you want to do, you want to continue your education, whatever. You know, some people say, ah, going back to school now. If I go back to school now, uh, you know, it's going to take me because I'm working and, and it'll take me 10 years and I'll be 55 10 years from now. If I go back to school, you know, I'll be 55 when I graduate. Well, how old will that person be if they don't go back to school 10 years from now? They'll still be 55, right? <laughs> so it doesn't matter either way, right? And so you choose a goal, know what God's called you to do, and, and then plan whatever it takes. It's going to take 10 years, whatever it's going to take. And then stick to it and stay at it. But having that goal and writing those goals down help us to stick to them. And pre pre presenting them before the Lord. 
Preparing them before the Lord, laying them out before the Lord is very crucial too. Laying our lives out and then the plans out. Just like we do a shopping list, you know, write the things down. It's good. Now it's easy. You know, we got tablets and things like that that can organize that so well. Planning. Right? I mean, we all plan. Right? No one ended up here tonight by accident, right? Did the rain wash anyone in, right? You know? <laughs> we all planned to be here, right? Somewhere, some, some planned better, some forgot their rain, their, their umbrellas or whatever, you know? I go running out of the car. Or, or, but, uh, so we can plan and we can plan better, but we, we all have some plans. We can redeem the time better when we sharpen those plans by thinking about what God's called us to do, laying it out in prayer, writing them down, checking them off, looking at, okay, here's the plan. Now, who do I need to help with this? Do I need Home Depot? Or do I need to go there? Do I need this? What do I need to help? Do I need some friends? Do I need to hire someone? And look at that and look at that whole thing. And Yeshua says, um, no one, um, well, I forget exactly how the verse goes, maybe I shouldn't have jumped into that one, but uh, prepare, no one prepares prepare the house, right? You've got to prepare the house. Whether we build on the solid rock or whether we build on the sand, prepare, but always be ready for what the Lord would have us to do. And so we need to prepare, write the list, make it out, see what needs to be involved in it, what kind of resources is in it, and make sure that you have enough resources to be able to fulfill what God has called you to do. Make sure it's reasonable. If it's big plans, you can even check it with other people. No doubt Jothan had advisors who guided him and directed him, gave him wisdom on what he should do or shouldn't do. We saw that specifically mentioned with his father, the advisors that he had and the helpers that he had. So team together. Network with others to further God's cause. It's good to plan on how we're going to give, to be a systematic giver. Mentioned the, 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 the children of Ammon giving to, to Jothan in the kingdom of Judah three years in a row. Specific amount, it was recorded. How much was recorded there? Very important to have a budget, to have a financial budget, to know how much money is coming in and how much is going out and knowing where it's going out to. Another amazing thing, most people in this country don't have budgets, don't have a spending plan. Don't have it written down how much is there. Unless most people live just week to week, paycheck to paycheck, and the money goes and they don't know where it went. That's not a good stewardship of the resources God has placed at our disposal. Very helpful to know where it's going and to plan ahead where you want it to go. You can say, okay, I want to buy a, a new refrigerator. That's going to cost this much. And this one will last another maybe year, two years, maybe five years. You get, you know, know how old the refrigerator is and kind of plan. Now think far enough advance. They're expensive items. And you put a little aside every month in the paycheck and then put that in your ledger. That that's going to refrigerator fund. Now we, then when you get to that point, five years down the line, you've got some money's there. And you can buy the refrigerator. Most people wait till it breaks. And then they Got to borrow the money or take the money out of something else that they might have thought they were going to use it for. Or use that whole paycheck 
for that. Because then they, don't, you know, they, they weren't expecting it. I don't know why we don't expect it. Those things aren't made to last forever. They actually, I think they make them to break them. <laughs> I think that's in the plan. I think they have goals. I think they have plans. It's usually the day after the warranty goes out, you know, so they got a plan just time just right. A little thing inside that just explodes right at that, you know, on a timer <laughs> or whatever, you know. Just when the sale is going to come due, you know, so uh, and the advertisement's going to come in the mail. They got plans. We should have plans as God's people. She said the children of this world are wiser than the children of God. Because they do have plans. They do lay their plans out before the Lord. And we should do the same. Financial plans, goal plans, and then combining those together and working those plans and keeping at those plans, laying them before the Lord. Monitoring them, checking them, seeing how you're doing on each one of those plans. We can get a lot more done when we have it written down, recorded down, and monitoring it, looking at it, and teaming together with others, making sure, again, it's financially sound and doable. And also having ambitious goals. Some goals need to be bigger than we can actually do, but God can surprise us. And others need to be very reasonable and planned out, down to details. Some could be more general, but it's important to have goals. It's important to have plans. Otherwise, we'll just wander through. Plan your life. Plan the process. Yeah, and giving our finances as we give to the Lord. The Bible records the, the tithe to be given to the Lord. The other funds to be given. Some people just give on whoever happens to send them a, an appeal at that moment that appeals to their heart. Whoever's the best appealer. Whoever's the best salesperson. Whoever seems to be the need at the moment. But we can systematically give to where needs are as well. Systematically put money aside. So we have the set amount to be put aside, and we can have a set amount to be used for congregational use, and then a separate that's just there for when an appeal comes. And then when that appeal comes, then the funds are already there. Might not know what that fund, might be a hurricane at some point that you know comes, but then you got some funds that are set aside to bless God's work. And to have plans that we can again be used by the Lord and what God has called us to do. So in verse 7 it says, And the rest of the acts of Jotham and all his wars and his ways, indeed they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. And Jotham rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Ahaz's son reigned in his place. So nine whole verses he gets in, in, uh, in Second Chronicles and even less than that in Second Kings. The 25 years. We'll get to meet him. No doubt he can tell us much more of what went on in those 25 years. But he served the Lord. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Not a lot of fanfare. No mistake recorded against him. People, you know, still did what they were doing. But he did, and he lived, and he was a good example. And he prepared his ways before the Lord. So as we pray tonight, what lessons can we learn? What lessons are for you? What lessons do we have individually? Have we learned from our 
parents and other examples in our lives. We learn from their good actions and copy those, as it said about him, doing like his father did. Have we learned from their mistakes and not copied them? Did you grow up thinking, you know, oh, I'm never going to do what dad did. I'm never going to do what mom did. And then we end up doing the same thing. You know, when I have kids, I'm never going to say that to them. <laughs> and then we end up doing the same thing. Have we copied the wrong example? We can lay that before the Lord and allow him to forgive us and change us and transform us. Maybe you've seen the need to have a goal program and a goal plan, to write those down and to put them into action, surrendered before the Lord. Maybe you're not having a morning devotion time. Maybe you're not starting your day presenting yourself and your plans before the Lord, and you want to commit to doing that now. It's important to do that in prayer, that commitment, because you can say, I'm going to do that, and maybe you've done that in the past. I'm going to do that. I'm going to start doing that and haven't been able to follow through, or at least not consistently. Because we cannot do it in our own strength. Without the Lord, we can do nothing, and that includes praying. That includes reading the Bible. Right? And so if praying and reading the Bible is something God's convicting you on, especially on a consistent basis, then lay that before the Lord and surrender. Lord, I confess that I haven't been consistent in this. I haven't been faithful in this. I acknowledge I need you, and I need you every morning, and I need you every day. I want to surrender that before you. Thank you for cleansing me, and thank you for forgiving me for trying to do it in my own strength and selfish ambition. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with a desire that just wants to do that. And, and, and like breathing, cannot live without it. Give me that kind of a heart. Give me that kind of a mind. Put your mind in me that was in Yeshua the Messiah. So we can pray that kind of prayer now. You're convicted on that. You know, some people think, okay, yeah, I need to pray about all this other stuff and I need to pray for victory over sin. But we also need to be praying for God's power and God's spirit to give us the ability to do the right thing, too. Not only to resist the wrong thing, but to do the right thing. Even something as simple and, and uh, elementary as praying. We don't want to pray in our own spirit. We want to pray God's spirit praying through us. We want God's power manifesting through us. Or maybe guys bring to your mind, yeah, you know, I know God wants to use me more. God wants to do more through me. God wants to bless my life, my, my work life, and my private life, my spiritual life. And I can see that having a plan and goals to do that is biblical. And I want to do that. I want to lay that before the Lord. And ask him to give you the ability to do that and to stay focused on that. Solomon built the temple because his father planned and had a plan and raised the finances for it. And then Solomon followed through on those plans. Everything takes place by planning. Very important. So if you feel the need to do that in your life, if you haven't been doing it, if you haven't been doing it, I would recommend everybody should sense a need to do that. Start on one area of your life and expand it, whatever. We all need to have a plan. God's calendar has a plan. There's a cycle to it. So the holidays are there to keep us on focus on God's plan. God has a plan on when Messiah came. He has a plan when he's going to come again. God has a plan. God created this earth with a plan. God is a planner. If we have his mind and we are 
created in his image or recreated in his image, we also will have plans and goals and follow those by God's grace. But again, that takes surrendering and letting God do it. We can determine, I'm going to start my plan. I'm going to start my goal plans. I'm going to start my spending plan. But we try in our own strength, be like trying to climb up a rope made out of sand. It'll just fall apart. But if we commit to the Lord, Lord, do this through me. Lord, give me your mind. I want to copy your pattern. Recreate me in your image. You are a planner. Make me a planner as well. Make me a goal setter as well. And use me in redeeming the time that's here on this earth. So any area that applies to you or maybe something else that uh, God was speaking to you f- tonight as we pray together, let's lay our plans and lay our lives before the Lord and let him use us for his honor and glory. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, Lord, we are thankful for your word and we're thankful for the example of Jotham. We're thankful for your grace in working through him. Thankful for the 25 years that he blessed Judah and maintained it and defended it and even received funds for it. Lord, work in our lives, work in each one of our lives. We want to surrender to you. We want to be surrendered to you. We want you to take us and mold us and make us into your image. We want to know the plans that you have for us. And we want you to prosper us in those plans. We want you to use us in those plans. We want you to place our feet in your footsteps and follow you. We want you to direct our paths, give us direction. Give us creativity and innovation in our plannings and give us the ability to have goals and know what your goals are and have plans and to walk in those plans. Give us the power to commit ourselves to you each morning and each day. Commit our lives, commit our finances, commit the talents you've blessed us with and use us for building up your kingdom in Yeshua's holy name. Amen.